Each morning, I pull up my news feed for the day, and it's usually inundated with reports from uh, different polls for different candidates, and it's filled with political mess that uh, I try to scroll through, but sometimes it catches my eye, and I wish it wouldn't have. But I see that, and I see the stories of the racial unrest that is in our nation right now. Uh, I don't think that it's been this bad uh, in, in years. Some of you remember when it was really bad, and, and I hope it's not heading that way again, but uh, definitely uh, there is racial unrest in our nation today, and there's always stories of people hurting other people and, and innocent people getting hurt. And we hear about terrorism, we hear about crime, and we hear about all of this sin that is prevalent in what I call these days. And uh, I've kind of in my mind had this series over the past couple of weeks of just giving us hope and getting us, I guess you could say, perspective during these days that we're living in because I have found a strange spirit creeping up in my life. And maybe you have too. I'm, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe that God is sovereign. But every now and then when I start thinking about my news feed, when I start thinking about what's going to happen when I go into the next week. Some of you kids are thinking about what you're going to have to do when school starts or, or even the bigger questions about what are you going to do with your job and all of these other things that inundate our mind. But when we start thinking about these days, there's a small thing that creeps into my life. And I don't know about you, but for me it is called uncertainty and worry. Sometimes when I think about what the future holds for our nation, quite honestly, I get scared. And I hear members of our church talking about that in in the same fashion. I don't know what we're going to do if so-and-so gets elected, or I don't know what we're going to do if this happens. We've all done that. We sit around and we talk about politics, we talk about the weather, and if we don't want to make people mad, we talk about religion, right? So those are the things that we casually talk about, but it just seems like and and you you can decide for yourself, but it does seem like there is an uneasiness of living in these days. We call it uncertainty. We call it worry. You know what Jesus calls that? A lack of faith. A lack of faith. We need to talk about hope for our future because there is an overwhelming sense of these days growing darker, more than I can ever remember. And I hope, and I, I don't think that I'm the only one that feels this way. But God is showing me that this spirit of hesitancy, or this, this impending doom, this uncertainty, or this lack of hope, is not of Him. God is not the author of confusion. We are not to be timid. We, uh, we have power. We have power of the Lord. And so as we think about these things, we have these uncertainty of days to come. It is not because our days are uncertain. Because if we are believers in Jesus Christ, every day is certain. Every day is one day closer to heaven. And God has showed me in these days that I don't need to have that uncertainty. I need to have a rock-solid hope in knowing that Jesus is in control. And, and look, if you've doubted and you've had a little faith, don't worry, because there are plenty of people in the Bible that have had weak faith. Matter of fact, in the 
Old Testament alone, numerous times, God told folks like Joshua, he would say, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Even in last week's message, we saw Peter walking out on the water. And he said, you of little faith, when he fell. That wasn't a slam. He wasn't insulting him, but he was just saying, you, you're, you've got the wrong emphasis here. And so the thing is, is that we have little faith when we are focused on our world rather than the one who created it. If your focus is on what you folks talk about over a biscuit at Hardee's, or if you're focused about what you see on your Facebook wall, or if you're focused about what you talk to your friends about, if you're focused about the storm that you are in this morning, you are going to have little faith because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Listen here, church. I want you to walk away from this sermon today, if nothing else, not thinking that this was a great sermon, but having a a renewed appreciation for Jesus Christ. Because that is why we are here today. We are here to worship Him. And I encourage you to do what I am doing this morning. I'm going to check my baggage at the door. I'm going to leave my worries outside. And for the, the next few minutes, I'm not going to allow them to creep into my life. And as we study this passage, we are going to talk about that Jesus is the only hope for these days and these days to come. Whether whether you are going to read this passage that we're about to read for the first time or whether it's the thousandth time, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is in control. And the Apostle John gives us an eyewitness account of Jesus. This is not a fable. This is not a mother goose nursery rhyme. This is a historical account about what John saw through Jesus Christ. This is an actual story. It's not a fable. And we see here that as we begin the service, it's, it's really simple. Jesus 101. Jesus 101. The Gospel of John. Many times when someone first becomes a Christian, I'll tell them to start in the book of John and start reading that. And so if we could this morning, could we go back to the basics? Now, I know many of you in here could probably teach the passage better than I can. But for me and for what the Lord is doing in my life, he is just telling me, focus on me. Focus on Jesus. And we see here that verses 1 through 9, we see that everything begins with something. Everything begins with something. And before we we read the passage here... I want to tell you about a a story about Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton was a famous mathematician and scientist, which we don't always hear this, but he strongly believed in God. And so he had a friend who was an atheist. And so he was trying to reach out to this atheist. And so he decided that he asked a, a carpenter to make a model of the solar system. So the carpenter made this model of a solar system, and he he tried to make it as close to the resemblance of the solar system as far as specifications and making it as real as possible. So when it was finished, Newton picked up that solar system that the carpenter had made, and he went and took it and put it on a table in his house. 
So now the trap is set. He invites his person, his friend that doesn't believe in God, and he invites him over for just tea or just to talk. Well, the friend comes over, and when he arrived, he saw, the first thing he saw was the model of the solar system, and he was intrigued. He just stared at it, and he thought, man, this is the coolest thing in the world. I remember one time I went into somebody's office, and they had on their desk, you know those things that have like the four steel balls hanging from a rack, and you hit one, and and the other one, you know, tick, 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 all that stuff. I was just amazed by that thing. Well, here was the solar system. And so this person that doesn't believe in God doesn't realize that he has walked right into an illustration. So he asked if he could take a closer look. And Dr. Newton said, well, of course you can. And so as he was looking at this, the man asked, who made this? The friend asked Newton, who made this? And he replied, well, no one made it. It just appeared on this table by accident. Like, boom, there it is. Well, confused, the friend repeated the question, and Newton, he, he stuck to his guns, and he said, yeah, absolutely, it just appeared. It just, one minute it was not there, and the next minute, out of thin air, it was there. Well, this friend started to get upset because he knew that Newton was pulling his leg. And so, as they were talking, uh, he wanted to get further explanation from Newton about what he really meant about it just popping out of thin air. And then Sir Isaac Newton explained it this way. He said, if he could not convince his friend that this replica of the solar system had just happened by accident, how could the friend believe that the real solar system, with all of its complexity and design, could have appeared by time or by chance? Look, when you go home, I doubt there is going to be a solar system replica on your table that just, poop, just appeared. So if we cannot grasp that concept, do we have any hope of grasping the true solar system? That, that the fact that if our world's axis was just one degree off, it would set the whole solar system out of bounds. The fact that, that when, when you study your body and when, and when you study how, how the body works, it's just amazing all the intricacies and the little things that God does to make sure that we have life. The point was well taken. And here's the point. Every design demands a designer. Another popular uh, illustration of that was every watch demands a watchmaker. But if there is something that exists that has an origin story, right? Well, as we read this chapter, we see that Jesus was, is, and will always be. Jesus was, Jesus is, and he always will be. Because he is eternal. Let's read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him... Not one thing was created that has been created. In verse 4, I have circled this word, life. Life was in him. And that life was the light of men that shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. 
We see here that Jesus was, is, and always will be. He is eternal. When it says the word there, the word, Jesus is the word, that, that term, the word, when it was written, had a certain meaning. For example, to the Hebrews, when they heard the term, the word, they thought it referred to creation or a message that God has given through the prophets, through the law over the years. So it did have a spiritual connotation. But to the Hebrews, when they heard the term, the word, it was thought to be basically like uh, some type of etherical reason that governed the world, much like Star Wars calls it the force. It was like this, 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 this thing out there that, that is, we cannot know, but it just rules the world. So when, when John is writing this, he is telling the Greeks, he's telling the Hebrews that those things that you worship, calling it the word, Jesus is that. Jesus is everything. So when you read this, don't just think that, well, it says, well, Jesus is the word. Well, it means he's, he's the Bible for us to read. That's true, but it goes to so much more. There are so many people that have belief systems that are not based upon God that they don't realize that they're worshiping Jesus and they don't even know it. Because Jesus is the one and only way. And when, when he said this, when he said Jesus is the word, the Jews were enraged because he was saying that Jesus was God. The Greeks were enraged because John was saying that God could be human and he could be known. That wouldn't happen today, would it? I guarantee you what? You go into the middle of the mall, you go into a, a political rally, you go into your office and you say, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You might get some amens, but you'll get a lot of people, hmm, that's intolerant. They think they're better than everybody else. Why do they think their way is the only way? Well, folks, it's because this word says that. Our world doesn't want to hear it. And they will get mad, just like the Greeks and the Hebrews did. But I'm telling you, in these days, there are people that think there are many ways to heaven. But there is only one way to heaven. And that is through Jesus Christ. There is only one mediator. There is only one means of peace. There is only one way that you can find rest for your weary souls from the sin that you encounter every day. And that is through Jesus Christ. John is setting Jesus apart from the many Greek gods that these cultures worship. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Jesus Christ is more powerful than the Dow Jones ratings. Jesus Christ is more powerful than our president. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any candidate that's running for any office. Jesus Christ is more powerful than the most experienced doctor in the world. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any, anything that's ever created because he created it. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And with Jesus, there was no need for many gods, like the Greeks thought, because Jesus is God. I remember an old commercial, and I love YouTube because you can find old commercials. And uh, there's this old commercial in 1984. I know some of you weren't even born back then, 
But uh, it was the Prego spaghetti sauce commercial. I don't know if you remember it, but the son and the daughter are having their parents over for dinner. And so he's making spaghetti. And so he's he's putting the sauce on the noodles. And the, the father goes up and says, hey, what are you using spaghetti sauce from a jar for? It's not like your mother's. Where's the onions? He goes, it's in there. Remember that? And then he says, well, what about the peppers? It's in there. How about the garlic? It's in there. And then all of a sudden the father tastes it and he goes, it's in there. I'm telling you what, everything that you can ever imagine, everything that you're looking for with Jesus Christ, it's in there. If you're looking for freedom from a bad habit, it's in there. If you're looking for peace, it's in there. If you're looking for the salvation of someone you love, it's in there. If you're looking for hope when you go to the doctor's visit the next time, you can find hope in Jesus. I'm not saying you'll get the answer you want to hear, but you will find hope in the midst of it. Jesus was also being witnessed by. In other words, John was a forerunner. He was a witness. We see in verses 6 through 9, John says there was a man named John, this was John the Baptist, who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light who gives light to everyone who was coming into the world, the true light. Nowadays, when companies produce stories and and reporters of reputable places give stories a lot of the legal departments require that they have a second source because you want a second source just to make sure that the claims that you're making are true and so here in john's story or john's account jesus christ he gives a second source jesus christ is not a fable he's not like other fables that we we worship and, and we observe Throughout our calendar year, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that walked among us. Jesus was face to face with God from the very beginning. Jesus was and is a hundred percent God. And Jesus, here's the thing when it talks about Jesus being in on creation, do you realize when you were created, Jesus was in on that? Do you realize when God was creating this world? Jesus was in on that. And you might be in here today, and you might feel unworthy of God's love. You might feel like there is no way that God could love me because he knows I've done this. So there's, there's no way Jesus would have died for my sins because I've done so and so. But the thing is, folks, he knows it because he created you, and he died for you anyway. That's called love. The second thing we see here is that Jesus came to our world with a mission. He was a man on a mission. In verses 10 through 13, it says, He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And verse 12 is a kicker. It says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. The reason that I have a right to inherit or to be a part of Wayne and Connie Strickland's property 
and part of their families because they adopted me into their family. I am their family. It says on the birth certificate, I am official. I am a representative of their family, and I am an heir to whatever they choose to give to me because I am part of the family. I have the right to have the last name of Strickland. You have a right to call yourself a Christian if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And all the benefits and all the suffering that comes along with that will be yours. But you have the right to claim it because Jesus created the world with his Father. Also, Jesus' mission is to what? Is to fix you. Did you know you were broken? Some of you say, yeah, preacher, I have a good idea of being broken. Maybe not today. There are days when you have strong days, and there are days when you are just flat, like a a Lego busted up in the middle of the floor in hundreds of pieces. Jesus came to fix you. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, and I've got it on the screen for you here, if you want to read along. It says, Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Wow. Jesus is the source. And the perfecter of our faith. It means you don't have to live faith in your own strength. It's not yours. It's Jesus' faith that you hold on to. And not only is it His faith, He will perfect you. He will make you perfect one day. Because He is the source and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy that laid before Him endured a cross and despised the shame And has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. We see here that Jesus was rejected by his own people. He's talking about God's chosen people, the Jews. But his love for you and his love for his father kept him focused on the mission. A big big thing in the book of Acts that you see in parts of the New Testament is that the reason the Jews had such a fit was because he was saying since the Jews didn't want to worship him and acknowledge him, the Gentiles could receive salvation. And most of you in here, you're a Gentile. And you're receiving that benefit. If you want more on that, there's a great parable uh, in uh, Luke chapter 14 about the great banquet that explains that. But bottom line is, Jesus loves those even who reject Him. He loves you no matter what you have done. His love is relentless. The third thing we see here is that Jesus was... And is God among us? Jesus was and is God among us. Verses 14 through 18. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. This is huge. Not only did it become flesh, but it says that it took residence among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me, because He existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from His fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. 
He has revealed him. When the word became flesh, there's, there's a fancy word for that called incarnation. The incarnation of God is Jesus Christ. And the incarnation basically meaning that the word became flesh. For example, you probably have heard other religions, they talk about reincarnation, where your spirit comes back. Isn't it amazing when people talk about uh, that they've, they've, be, they've been reincarnated or they were in a past life? It's always somebody famous or somebody cool. You ever heard somebody say, yeah, in my former life I was a fly that flew around horses' tails? No one's going to say that. And so incarnation, the incarnation is, I'll put it this way, and uh, it, it, I use this illustration a lot when I'm talking to people, is that when I was growing up and I was a little kid, I loved space. I loved space. NASA, you name it. I remember my parents took me to uh, uh, the place in Florida that, where they launched the shuttles and it was just amazing. I love space, and I would do anything to go into space. But I remember the exhibits, and I remember the displays, and I remember the space suits. They were so big. They were so clunky. They were so cool. The big dome on the front of it. I thought, man, I'd like to wear one of those one day. And then I thought about it. Why do they need that space suit? Because if they were to expose themselves out in space or on the moon, they would die because their bodies were not created for it. Folks, if God himself were to come down to Homeland Park Baptist Church and reside in this building right here, we could not see him. We could not stand it. It goes back to what you saw in the Old Testament when God would travel with the Israelites. He would be in the Holy of Holies. And if anybody even entered the Holy of Holies with sin, they would die. That's because God is so pure. And there is no way that we could have access to God on our own until Jesus Christ put on this spacesuit of flesh made out of dirt and chemicals and, and things that some of you people could probably give me an education on what our body is actually made of. I've heard that we're made of 98% water, right? So does that mean we're all this far from drowning? I don't get that. You'll get that later. It's not funny. We'll move on. But the thing is, is that, that this, this skin that I've got, this skin that you wear, some of you, your skin is, is tight and young, and some of you, it's, it's wrinkled and and it's, you, our, our skin looks differently, but it's made of the same stuff. This skin cannot be in the presence of God Almighty. The only time we will be in the presence of God Almighty is when we get what Paul calls our glorified bodies. And amen, I can't wait for that day, right? But right now i got to put up with this one. So how in the world could God communicate His love to us? And how in the world could He, he be an example for us? I, I think back of when uh, my dad, when I was a kid, he always had a garage. And, and I would go out there and I would see him working on things with tools and, 
And one day he actually asked me to help him. And then I started doing some things. And when I was a teenager and I had my first car or two, uh, it seemed like I was an official water pump breaker. Everything I drove, the water pump broke. So if you need your water pump changed, I'm your guy. But I learned how to do it because I went to my dad's garage. He showed me the tools to use and I worked with it. He was an example to me. We never would have understood God like we do without Jesus putting on this earth suit called skin, walking among us and showing us God. Because Jesus was 100% human. When he got hot, he sweat. Teenagers, Jesus had pimples. It would have been cool to be Jesus because when you wake up in the morning and you see the North Star on your forehead, maybe you just went, boop, and it was gone. That would be cool, right? But Jesus knew what it was like to be young. Jesus knew what it was like to be, I would say, old, but he died when he was 33. But Jesus knew what it was to live in this world. You wake up in the morning with aches and pains. Jesus knew something about that as well. Jesus was all man, but he was all God. And he took up residence among us. That, that statement basically means that he pitched a tent and he dwelt with us. He was among us. Does it not encourage you or maybe it just I cannot comprehend that God himself would humble himself to walk among us on this earth when he had so much more for him up there. Why did he do that? Why did he spend the time to be with us? It says God made his home among us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus incarnate, Jesus, the Word in flesh, we see God as the teacher, and we see God as perfection, and we see God as sacrifice. So, what are some reasons that Jesus came to earth as a man? Well, number one, this is the only way we could actually see and interact with God. Before Jesus Christ, we had no hope of that. Before Jesus Christ, we had to do sacrifices. Before Jesus Christ, we depended upon priests to go to God to atone for our sins on our behalf. That's why it's so important that when Jesus Christ died for your sin and for my sin, and what they call the veil of the Holy of Holies, which was a curtain that was about six inches thick, ripped not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom, God ripped that barrier between you and Him through Jesus Christ because of Him dying on the cross for your sin and for my sin. The only way we could actually see and interact with God is through Jesus. Because no one had seen God face to face until this point and lived. And there's the popular song, Mary, did you know, that we hear just about every Christmas. But my, my favorite line in that, that song is that when Mary kissed the baby, she kissed the face of God. She kissed the face of God. Of God. Now, Jesus in his bodily form is not here. He will come back again. But what we do have here is the Holy Spirit. 
So when you feel that prompting in your spirit, and when you feel what we call the Jesus bumps every now and then, and when you feel God prompting your heart to serve Him and to love Him, that is no different than Mary kissing the face of God, because that means God is with you, God is in you, and God is working through you. Also, Jesus came to bring judgment on those that were teaching people to worship in ways that were not biblical. God did not send Jesus Christ to justify the Jews in their religious duties. He sent Jesus here to replace that. He also came to bring eternal life. His physical death, his physical body had to be broken, and his blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin. So I want to tell you, you can have hope in these days. There is a... a, a, a um, I, I, there's no words to, to say or who this guy is, but he is probably the closest thing to the Christians have is the Pope as anything in the world. It's Billy Graham. Billy Graham, just what he has done in his ministry and what his ministry continues to do is just amazing. And he said... My hope does not rest in the affairs of this world, but it rests in Christ who is coming again. In these days that are going crazy, when you see your news reports, when you want to talk about how bad things are and how bad things are going to get, oh, y'all better watch out. Like Andy Stanley said, quit scaring the children. We need to tell folks, Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. He is in control. He is in our lives. And we are going to make this. It's not going to be easy. And we're not going to be popular. But our affairs are in order. It's not by our works. It's not by genetics. You get, How many people have I talked to you before said, you know, if I were to ask you this question... If you were to die today, would you spend eternity in heaven? In other words, if you were to die and you stand before God and God says, Why should I let you into my kingdom? What are you going to say? Well, you know, I was a good person and, and uh, I hope that my good outweighed my bad. <clears throat> kind of like Family Feud. The X comes up. <clears throat> Works. Not going to do it. I've actually heard this one multiple times. Well, my grandfather was a preacher. Survey says, <clears throat> genetics won't get you into heaven. Works won't get you into heaven. But the number one answer, the survey says, it is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is all you will ever need. Jesus is the reason you can have hope today. And the thing is, is that when we start getting overwhelmed by these days, we need to love Jesus more than those things around us. I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were talking about how, how they were struggling with sin, in which I struggle with sin, and we all do. But I had, I had to, it's like the light bulb came on in their, in their head because I said, Why do we sin? I'll ask you, why do we sin? You can come up with the church answer and the thing you want the preacher to hear, but let me give you the basic theological answer. Why do we sin? Because we want to. 
Because we choose to. And the reason we sin is because whatever we choose, we love that more than we love God. It's that simple, folks. You don't even have to go to seminary to figure that out. We sin because we choose to, because we treasure the things not of God more than we do of God himself. But Jesus is all you will ever need. We need to love Jesus more than those things that are around us. We need to show this world what peace with God looks like, and we need to share this peace with others. So my vote today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life, as I have breath in my lungs, is going to be to vote for Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be scared. He is under control. He's got this in his hands. We have to do our part. We have to live in this life. We have to be, as he calls, salt and light in this world. But folks, we fight from victory. The battle has already been won. So if you're downtrodden, or if you're anxious about what's happening in today's world, stop it. You were born for much more than that. Your blood has been sanctified through Jesus' blood. He died so that you do not have to be worried about what's happening in these days. And it's just amazing to think that he was 100% human, but 100% God. God among us. God is here today. And I want to give you the opportunity that if, if you have been so surrounded by things and you realize for the first time today that the reason that you are in this building today is because Jesus died for your sins, that you have messed up your life on your own so much to the point to where you can't fix it anymore. It's like a Rubik's Cube that you can't put back together. And you say, I can't do it on my own. I want to have Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and forgive me of my sins, to fix my broken life, and to finally let this world make sense for the first time. I'm going to give you that opportunity. You'll, you'll come down front. I'll pray with you. We'll pray the sinner's prayer, and that will begin you on your journey of being a believer. Maybe there's someone that just has a prayer need, or they want to rededicate their life or join the church. I don't know how God is working, but I know He is. So, if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, don't white-knuckle that pew. Don't hold on to it because you don't know when your next opportunity is. This might be it. You never know. A meteor might fall on this place before we leave. Are your affairs in order? We can have hope in these days because Jesus Christ is King and King, a King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you know Him, you have that hope. And if you don't know him, you're sunk. And this political election and the things that we're going through is the best it's going to get for you. And that breaks my heart for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this service and for for speaking to us. Lord, this has just been a huge love letter for Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you that you've died for our sins. And if there's someone here today that does not know you, as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they come forward. We will rejoice with them. But I don't want anyone to go out of here today not knowing that their affairs are in order. Because these days are evil. 
but you are good. This invitation time is for you, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?